I'm Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane, the Church of Eastern Washington, and joining me in the Bishop and Vickers is Father Darren Connell, the Vicar General and Rector of Our Lady Lord Cathedral. Good day, everyone. Thank you. Brian Mee, Father Brian Mee is the pastor of St. Augustine's and the Vicar for Finance, and Father Pat Curris, pastor of St. Thomas More and St. Patrick and the Vicar for Priests. Today's topic is uh, on the Crusades, and we have a number of Catholic schools throughout the United States that have as their mascot Crusaders, and with the movement in the United States in some areas to take down statues of Confederate generals to reflect on history in the United States and perhaps uh, some of the sad experiences that people endured, there is in certain circles a, a similar effort to re-examine uh, the Crusades and the church. And so this show, our episode today, is about the Crusades, its historic aspects of it, its purpose, a clarification, and actually hoping our listening audience will come to a deeper meaning of what the Crusades were. Father Me, uh, with your historical background uh, in the Crusades, uh, you typically have worn vestments that look like they're from the Crusades. <laughs> Can you give us a little history? What exactly does the term crusade mean? Well, it's taking the cross is what it is. But uh, to give it some historical context, I'll start with morning mass. This morning, the first reading was the apostles sending Paul and Barnabas to Antioch, Antioch, uh, for the Christian community or to, to preach Christianity there. So the Antioch community dates all the way back to Bible times, scripture times. And yet it was one of the cities that the Crusaders took back during the time of the Crusades. But I think in the context, I think what can be forgotten is uh, in our, today we almost look upon the Crusaders as somehow coming from Europe that was imperialistic and um, all of the, you know, perhaps all the negatives that we associate with Europe and powerful Europe today. Colonial. Colonial, imperial, but that wasn't the case. Europe wasn't that. Europe was just waking up from the dark ages when the crusade was called, the first crusade, and as they woke up and uh, cleared the sleep from their eyes, what they came to see was that most of what had been a Christian world had been taken over by the Muslims. And uh, it was the Basileus, or the um, emperor of uh, the, the ruler of Constantinople, Alexius, that pleaded with the West to send uh, crusaders, or they didn't call them crusaders at that time, but assistance to defend those Christian communities that uh, were being put to the blade by the Muslims. So it was in 1095 at the uh, Council of Claremont that Urban II called for a crusade, and almost single-handedly, uh, his preaching for the crusade uh, caused something to stir within the spirit of, of um, the Christians of the West. And that was the beginning of the First Crusade. But I think the objective of the First Crusade was to uh, secure those holy places that had been run over uh, by the Muslims and to protect pilgrims and those Christians, Christian inhabitants of uh, that former Christian, those Christian lands. So I think, um, you know, the most important thing perhaps as we enter into a conversation on the Crusades is recognizing that uh, the West saw themselves as defending against an aggressor, which they were. It was a defensive because also it's important to re uh, recognize that uh, the Muslims had already made entry into what we know as Western Europe today, the Iberian Peninsula. There was Moorish 
Muslim. Uh, Battle of Poitiers in 738 with Charles Martel was won against uh, the Muslims as well. So, I mean, already the West had had, um, they had felt the um, the affliction. Is that where Sidney Sydney Poitier got his name? Sydney Poitier. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm learning a lot here because you know, I'm just going to sit in the corner and be quiet, but because uh, I, I think I missed the class where I was taught about the Crusades or something. That's but, when you but were all, uh, blowing the uh, cotton balls up in the air when you were in the seminary, wasn't it? Which has served me very well, well, in very well through the years. Not Bishop White's seminary, another seminary. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. And and this is pushing things way ahead, but the bishop started off mentioning how Crusaders is the mascot for a lot of Catholic schools, and it's also the mascot for a lot of non-Catholic schools. We have one locally here that is a non-Catholic school that goes uses the Crusaders. Now, how would non-Catholic Christians— Is that Northwest Christian? Northwest Christian. Why would they want to adopt hmm. that as their mascot? Well, what about a public school in California that goes by the Sinaloa Saints? Sinaloa Saints, and—, and our own St. Thomas More mascot are the rebels, which can be misconstrued, but of course mm. it's a very powerful and uh, um, mascot that reflects the life of St. Thomas you More. Know, that's a, that's an another topic that we could do because Father Connell, uh, his, uh, you were the well, pandas or the dolphins? When no, the you panderers. We were the panderers. <laughs> now, um, this month of May that we're in, uh, in Spokane anyway, is um, the month that we observe uh, Bloomsday every year. Uh, and... Is that a religious feast? Uh, it kind of it. Well, we canceled the nine o'clock mass at the cathedral <laughs> for it, so uh, we're accommodating them, the hordes of runners. Mm -hmm. um, and it occurs to me that if you were to stand on the, uh, out there and kind of interview as many people as you could going by, just very quickly, um, what is your opinion of the Crusades? And I, I don't. I would suspect that virtually every person you interviewed, uh, uh, as they're running by, would say that the Crusades were a, a black stain in the history of Catholicism. And and uh, something not to be proud of, something to be, um, you know, uh, rejected. repented for. Rejected, repented That's for. That's the very reason I am not running. And, and, <laughs> and, and I think they use it as a, uh, an opportunity today, frankly, to, to dismiss the, the church as, as a corrupt institution with some people. But I, and, uh, you know, as we, as we study the Crusades, uh, just to emphasize Father Mee's point, and I don't often do that, so um, here we go. It, the, the whole reason that the Crusades began were to take back lands that were Christian first. I mean, uh, Christ died in, in 33, and what, it wasn't until, wasn't until the 8th century uh, before Islam was born, and so for all those hundreds of years, Christianity was spreading, and uh, throughout the the Middle East, uh, and communities were growing and thriving, and baptisms were celebrated, and mass was being offered uh, in all those places. Uh, the gospel was being preached, and it was that was all ended with the the spread of, of Islam as they took over Christian lands, and that's why this is simply a, a defensive a defensive war. I think it's important too. It's not just that it had been going on for hundreds of years again, but. Uh, it was a contemporary issue as well. The Battle of Mansakert, which again opened up large parts of Asia Minor to... Well, could um, you tell us about that? Because we don't know what that... What is the Battle of Mansakert? No one knows that. You're just throwing out big words. No, I think it said man's occurred. Mansakert. Somewhere in the Battle of no, South Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> what it was, was it was... a Buick dealership. <laughs> it was, it was a battle against, if you really want to know, it was... I do, yeah. Okay, it's against Constantinople. It was um, the... Basileus of Constantinople at that time was Romanus IV uh, Diogenes, and he had lost the Battle of Manzikert. In what year? 
1071, August 29th, I think, to be exact. But it might have been August 26th. In any case, with that battle, it was a definitive battle. It was for the Eastern, Eastern Christianity, for Constantinople. It was as significant as if we were to say um, uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, December 7th, or, you know, um, whatever. 9-11. Uh, 9-11, yeah. It was just, it was even, well, lasted for hundreds of years was within their mind. It was one of those things because they saw this encroachment of and the besieging of the Christian East. So, I mean, it, it was a huge event that, again, none of us you know, in our contemporary society can understand. But it's to say that for contemporary being 11th century uh, Christianity, it was a huge event that had to have some response to it. It couldn't, otherwise it would have been the Neville Chamberlains of uh, their day as far as, well, we'll have peace if we just don't do anything. Well, that, that doesn't work. In the, uh, before the show began, we were talking about how historically the church has uh, really what we're seeking is the truth. And it has to do with uh, copies we have uh, of the sermons that were given uh, in, by, by the Pope and, and others calling forth um, this effort for the people to uh, rise up, both men and women, and, and go to, um, to the East and help preserve um, Catholic Christianity. Historians tell us that it wasn't just a series of uh, soldiers that went. In fact, uh, many times in the entourage that went, there would be uh, people who made great sacrifices. There would be both men and women, primarily men, the number of knights that might be in the group would be small. A lot of times it would be peasants. And the people were seeking, a lot of times, one of the uh, rewards they would have would be the remission of sins. Now, that doesn't come out uh, a lot in some of the secular uh, coverage of, of the Crusades. But you know, some have viewed the Crusades as solely a holy war. And yet, in many ways, there was an aspect of pilgrimage. And uh, so they weren't a group of soldiers uh, laying waste to the area, but they were, they were pilgrims, and there were uh, blessings that were brought forth. Maybe some of the uh, significant crusades that come to mind that oftentimes are misunderstood or not the, the coverage in school textbooks are not complete. Maybe, Father May, you'd have uh, some insight on that. Uh, what would be one of the crusades in your studies uh, that you found uh, to be turning points, perhaps, or are clearly with a more of the religious dimension than is, oh, okay. is covered? Yeah. Well, I think uh, there's usually historically, well, we consider seven crusades, six or seven crusades. But I think actually uh, the essence of a, the crusades were the first and second crusade. So as you said, Bishop, the first crusade was a pilgrimage that Urban II called um, all Christians to save the East. And so not only did you have what we would see as the knights uh, going forth, they were a small contingent all in all, uh, but you had these hanger-ons who were pilgrims that were going along with them. So, you know, the numbers, well, the numbers vary depending on which historian you listen to. But uh, again, it was seen as very pure. It was very religious. It truly was, uh, they saw it as a religious call that they were going forth. Now, of course, once you entered more deeply into the crusade or as time went on, uh, there were political motives that began to play in as well. But at least in the calling of the First Crusade and I would say all the way to um, the conquering of Jerusalem, 
for establishing the kingdom of Jerusalem in 1099. So that's about a three-year period from 1096 to 1099. Uh, it was a very sacred, sacred event. And then uh, the second crusade, you have the falling of Jerusalem, and that's 1185 or something. So you have a hundred-year period there where I think you can really talk about the crusades in what the uh, original purpose of a crusade was that uh, Urban II called. Which fits within our Catholic theology of, of Lent, for example, that we, we, use, uh, we engage in penitential practices because we are keenly aware of our own sinfulness. And for many of the crusaders, that was the case. They were aware of their own sinfulness. And this uh, journey, um, which was difficult and involved lots of penance, uh, was, was in response to their own sinfulness. And in acts of charity, freeing and saving Christians uh, in the Holy Land was also, um, that act of charity was also because done because of their own sense of sinfulness. When we come back, we're going to address another topic, that the First Crusade was led by primarily older men for that very reason, a remission of sins. And uh, because of their age, much like maybe Father Me and... Uh, we, and easy. We, 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 easy. No, we're going to take a break and come back soon. Back it's Bishop Daly and the Vickers, and we're talking about the Crusades, offering some reflection in a historical context, but also its practical application uh, today. We'll begin the second uh, part of our show by this quote from a book, What Were the Crusades? Jonathan Riley Smith, a professor at Cambridge. In do you England. recommend the book? I do, okay. by Ignatius Press. By the 14th century, crusading had become one of the social obligations of chivalric culture, although it remained a penitential activity to the end. It's clear that men and women were deeply moved by the desire to serve Christ by taking up his cross, defending the church, and physically occupying and holding the land sanctified by his presence. Now, that was the context for the Crusades, uh, which began uh, somewhere around 1095 uh, with one earlier, uh, but... That's the foundation. That, that may be the foundation, but um, again, I'll go back to my Bloomsday runners. If you were to ask them what they know of the, the Crusades, uh, they would certainly be, be able to uh, share in general how, what they, how they believe them to be horrific and maybe have some individual um, stories uh, of, uh, of, of, of atrocities that happened and blunders and mishaps that, that really were true. I, I, I know in my own... Um, reading of the Crusades, I read of a, a count, a noble count, who was going down the Rhine, uh, getting ready to um, go to the, the Holy Land and had a kind of ragtag band of crusaders with him. And along the way, they were killing Jews because uh, they considered them enemies of Christ and would take their money and their resources and use that to uh, to fund the their, their, their crusade. Obviously, that's an atrocity and something that is evil, um, but you can't look at those isolated events and then suggest that the whole effort was was immoral or wrong, much like in uh, the Second World War, uh, which I'm kind of a, a history buff. Uh, I like uh, elements. You, you look a lot like Winston Churchill. <laughs> you just watch Hogan's, Her yeah. you just watch Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. So, uh, of course, there were, in, in every war, even if the war is just, there are isolated incidents of, of atrocities. That doesn't mean that the entire effort is immoral. 
But that it's and you know you mentioned that instance of the count as well, but that was condemned That's as soon right. as it took Bern place Bern as well. Bernard of Clairvaux condemned condemned as did the Pope. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, so, that's right. The, the bishops... But your uh, point's yeah. well taken. I mean, there are atrocities in every war, so no matter how what just... What did you just say? The cause. There's atrocities in every war. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I, my point was well taken. <laughs> what point was that? <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's really move this thing into a different direction now. You know, well, you, well, one last thing on that, though. Uh, back to the Crusades. I think... Of course, one of the arguments you do hear as well from those Bloomsday runners, not from those Bloomsday runners or from St. Augustine's, because, of course, they would know better. But no, they don't if run. If they were from, they don't run, no. Well, you go on your scooter. We pray. We're on our knees too much. Our, our knees can't take it. Um, but, you know, we think that, well, somehow the Crusades, it was to gain great wealth in the East. And uh, many of the areas they were hitting, I mean, they didn't have great wealth. But in no, in any case... Um, the the layperson, the pilgrims were going, they were going for sacred reasons. The knights who were going to fight the crusade, they were giving up um, their land, their in some cases their inheritance, everything. They were sacrificing to go on this sacred pilgrimage, this sacred uh, call to recapture uh, the East. So... I think, again, it's so easy to look at history, and we do it within the context of our moment as opposed to the context of the moment in which they lived. And it's hard for us to imagine that any people would give up everything for a sacred uh, duty and a sacred call to, um, to serve God. But uh, in that time, uh, in that generation, that that was uh, the most important of all which, things. Which begs the question, I think, uh, why why do we have such a, a warped uh, sense of the Crusades in our in our modern culture? Why is it so prevalent that uh, they were intrinsically evil and wrong? And can example? I say that we live in an anti-Christian uh, culture? I guess you can that say that. You can say we say like to call it a post-modern well, culture. <laughs> well, that's part of it, at least. It is interesting that that there's so much widespread. Uh, ignorance about the Crusades, and I, you, I wonder if it's willful on it. Well, yeah, you people. say that, and obviously we've been talking about trying to contextualize the Crusades and and have a proper historical foundation for them to address the common perception or misperception of of what the Crusades were about, and yet it's also a term that's, as we were talking from the very beginning, opted and co-opted in a very positive light in terms of being a team mascot or, or. Recently, Billy Graham died. He had his famous crusades, which I think were generally perceived to be positive things, you know, inviting people to come to Christ. And and uh, we can use that to, to kind of lead into a reflection on, well, maybe without using the word with the baggage that might be attacked to it, but what is it in a spirit of a crusade that, that it motivates us now as followers of Christ? What is it that, that we need to get out and from the depths of our heart um, be about and, and defend against and and so I think that's kind of where we wanted to go with our reflection towards the end here is to think about the common uh, or, or modern implications of that historical fact of the Crusades. As we read into it in the 21st century perspective, but uh, interesting again, in uh, Professor uh, Jonathan Riley Smith's book, What Were the Crusades? He speaks about the fact that what they know to be true is that it would be hard-pressed, he writes, to find a single returning crusader who broke even, let alone made a profit from the journey. And those who returned were the lucky ones. 
about a third of the knights and nobility died on crusade. In his book also, he speaks about that this was a pilgrimage, and so people would be on the pilgrimage, older people and that for older men for the first uh, crusade, but a lot of people who just were literally pilgrims. And the crusaders, those with the military background, had to keep an eye on them lest they get injured or go out and do things that uh, weren't really in their best interest. And so this notion that this was um, a war, a war in the sense of purely a military campaign, uh, again, begs the question that is this really at its heart a pilgrimage with a penitential character to it? And uh, a closer reading of whether you're in Thomas Madden's article in First Things on the Crusades or uh, Professor Riley Smith's book gives us that perspective that isn't often uh, taught or appreciated. And we were talking about a postmodern uh, anti-Christian view of, of history uh, is not a, a complete picture by any means of what really happened. You know, I think one of the things that can be looked at, uh, some of the... Um, the flowers that came forth from the crusade, you had these orders of knights, like the uh, Knights Templar. I think they came up in a in a radio show earlier this year as well. The Knights Templar are the hospitallers of St. John. And these were uh, men who dedicated themselves and took religious vows, but they were knights. They were fighters as well. They were religious warriors. But their first purpose, what drove them, was uh, that spirituality, was their religiosity. But they would fight for the sake of defending the faith as well. So I think, Bishop, your point's well taken. It was a pilgrimage, but it was a pilgrimage where it was recognized that uh, there are those times where we need to fight for that which is sacred. And the Crusades was one of those times. It was a unique moment. So to Father Kirst's question as far as well, how do we, what is the crusade today or what would that be? It's a good question. I don't know. It would take a lot of reflection because I think the crusades were such a unique moment that uh, called forth, you know, from the very depths of um, the cultural mentality of the of Western Christendom to go forth uh, to to do battle for uh, for their faith. And I, would you say, I mean, I, I don't know what historians say, but... Um, you know, the Crusaders didn't win. I mean, uh, despite all of that, I mean, that suffering and difficulty, they they didn't win. Uh, uh, ultimately, the lands were not ultimately taken back and held. Um, and yeah, again, I, I'm not sure if historians would agree. But, but no, did they right. win they, in terms they, of the goal of a pilgrimage? Did they win in that respect? Did they did, achieve uh, that? Uh, they, so you're right. They lost the lands they had regained were lost within a hundred years, but. Uh, what was the spiritual fruit right, from it? Right. Well, what about Richard of Lion, uh, Lionheart? That was your confirmation name, for me, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't like Richard the Lionhearted, actually. You don't? No, he caused a lot of problems down there. I, I think he was the uh, third or fourth crusade as well. Hmm. What problems did he cause? Um, well, he was very effective, as, uh, oh. but he, well, you had, um, you had a What's his name? You had the Holy Roman Emperor who died crossing a stream or something. Frederick uh, Barbarossa, was that who? Yes, Frederick Barbarossa, who was... So one of the things, and this goes back before Richard the Lionhearted, but he certainly plays into it as well, is uh, one of the conflicts, there were internal conflicts among the Crusaders, and that's what was part of the reason for the breakup or for it being unsuccessful. There were many reasons, but one of them was 
that these knights got down there and uh, again, those that religious fervor they had, some of it turned into political uh, re, uh, infighting so that they had a very hard time being cohesive and united in uh, in their strategy and, and in their purpose. I, I guess the, one of the reasons is I, as I asked about or reflected on, you know, winning the Crusades is that, you know, I think about the many ways in which Christianity is co-opted today and, and frankly how it can be kind of uh, discouraging how things are going in terms of legislative uh, efforts and court rulings and all that. It, it feels at times that that uh, we could be losing on, on, on some of the issues of, uh, of the day. And yet... Um, perhaps that's not the the, the most important thing. Uh, again, maybe maybe it is our own personal penance and acts of charity and and spiritual commitment um, that helps us to grow in holiness in the midst of of that kind of uh, persecution. Well, the fervor that would lend uh, a man or woman, a uh, young person, old person, to to take up this journey, uh, that type of fervor uh, is that uh, something we can call forth in our people today. We, we saw, spoke about the word crusade. There was a crusade against poverty, a crusade against um, polio, other areas. That, there's something about that term crusade that is just not an effort, uh, nor is it a war. But this crusade takes on almost an inspirational aspect of it. And I'm wondering, in these times uh, when we, we are confronted with the postmodern, the perhaps anti-Christian secularism, do we call forth from our people that same fervor uh, to tackle this so that our faith, our relationship with God is not co-opted. Uh, Father Chris was talking about Pilates and wine that takes place at uh, where health club on Sunday? On Sunday morning, sure. Not to be confused with the uh, baby uh, goat yoga that our executive producer, Mary Richards, has spoken to us about. <laughs> uh, Father Connolly, you d- shouldn't try that. You'll hurt your back. I saw Pilates and wine at, was in the St. Augustine Bulletin instead of the 9 o'clock mass. Right. That was that letter on my desk this morning about that. Um, <laughs> In any case, uh, the Crusades, uh, I encourage our listening audience to, again, uh, read the book, uh, What Were the Crusades? Third edition by Professor Jonathan Riley Smith, Ignatius Press, to offer an insight into uh, the Crusades, to place it in a context that is more complete because of the fact there is so much misunderstanding about this crucial period in the history of the church. We are in the month of May, and we ask our listening audience to continue to ask our Blessed Mother's intercession in the lives of the faithful of our diocese, and most especially uh, the community we call the Catholic Church in Eastern Washington. God bless. 